0: Hello and welcome to the Quick Link Podcast. Today, I am joined by a rider who's been racing domestic, well, recently domestically uh, with the the Canyon team, but this year has been with the MKG, uh, MGKVIS, <laughs> and I'm sure there's other things that he'll correct me on because that's only half a name. Um, yeah, Max Studman, how are you?
1: Yeah, good. Defrosting uh, post ride, defrosting after today, but uh, everything's yeah everything's all sound apart from the weather i'm actually looking forward to like 10 degrees and rain coming back
0: yeah it's, it's kind of crazy isn't it like i saw minus five this morning i was like i was not happy
1: yeah um, my uh my wahoo didn't clock above minus four for the whole three hours today so that was that was
0: lovely that, that that's a turbo day if ever i've seen it like yeah not i'm not
1: yeah if i'm going on the turbo it's usually i'm doing like an hour and i'm doing something good um i really struggle with like the indoor aspect of it i guess in a way yeah
0: no no i, I completely like i can do an hour and then that's about my limit like i know there's one guy who i i came up through the youth ranks with um who was it fairly local and he's like he'd do like four hours on a turbo in a day i'm like how No, even
1: if I put on a film or something, I don't know. I just really struggle to concentrate on it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely get it. Um, But aside from from winter training, I just thought we'd start by saying, it seems an obvious question, but how did you get into cycling?
1: Uh, Family's always been really sporty. So I guess I grew up always being pretty competitive. Uh, Dad did like amateur triathlons and my mum yeah my mum I mean my mum was hands down like a really really good runner I think 237 marathon back in like the 1980s um so that's probably where a lot of my like capacity comes from uh and then my dad his knees started to go a little bit when he was during his triathlon so he just moved to cycling and he was always just like third fourth cap chipper but that's kind of how I got through that and I started that when I was seven but I always had till i was 14 15 probably always had like football i did tennis a little bit i did a lot of cross country and running as well so i always had other stuff um milling around in the background alongside cycling and it wasn't until sort of later age i was like right let's concentrate on this specifically i guess
0: yeah you mentioned your competitive spirit like how do you cope then like because any pro no matter who you are, you're going to spend most of your time not winning races. Like it's statistically impossible that you would be winning more than you're losing. So how do you cope with that element? Or is it something that you don't even think about?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is actually, it's a really like, it's a stupid sport. You think of it like that? Like uh, even, well, I guess, I don't know. It depends. Some football teams in the premier league, you're going to spend most of the year just getting absolutely battered as well. Um, But yeah, I guess the thing with cycling is, is that, Like, even if you don't win, even if if you're competitive in that race and you're, like, really a part of it, then that's always a nice feeling as well. And then if you win, that's, like, even a better feeling. Like, you can't can't reproduce that anywhere, really. So I think, yeah, for me, like, winning is obviously the top goal. Like, there's no better feeling. But then just being competitive, being in there is also, like, a really mega feeling as well.
0: Yeah, so is that where you derive a lot of... I guess it's a question I ask pretty much everyone anyway. It's like, what do you consider success when it comes to cycling? Like, Yeah, I I mean,
1: everyone is different. But for me, it's getting a result I can be really proud of and knowing that i got everything out on the road and it's the level that I feel I should be. So, yeah, that's it for me. I wouldn't say it's a specific result, obviously, usually if it goes well then there has been some sort of result whether that be like a top 10 or like a win or something or a podium um so that's the way i i look at it really I as know. long as i feel like it's been a success in my head and you've always got a the bar is always going to be high and there's always going to be pressure you put on yourself
0: yeah yeah of course um and how have you found it this year because as i mentioned in the intro like last year you were racing for the canyon oh with the canyon sun god back then i They've had a lot of name changes. Uh, it's hard to keep up. I think they're like D- Phc last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now you you moved over to the Italian team and MGK Viz. I've got it written down so I don't forget yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, K is actually
1: pronounced Kappa. There's MGK Viz.
0: <laughs> okay. So the Kappa Viz team. Um, how have you found that swap from a, a domestic British team to a, a italian team
1: yeah i mean yeah it's been it's been uh it's been hard there's kind of a lot to delve into into the year and i guess uh yeah i mean it's completely completely different sort of culture um the racing was like the amount of uci racing we did was for a Conti team was really was really really insane uh, i think i ended up doing like 49 which was mm-hmm. almost twice than i've ever done in a year before, so there was a there was a lot to get used to, and the races are race differently. Like UK domestic races, it's just you sort of get used to full gas for four hours, whereas Italy it was like calm as hell, and then like you get to climb, and the race would explode. Right. Um, so yeah, but uh, yeah, I was hoping to really excel and go there, you know, and and do really well, essentially. But for one reason or another there's like probably a couple reasons out there just didn't go that way which like like I said in terms of performance like I was turning up at races and I just was not getting the best out of myself for one reason or another and then like there were a couple of times where I just found myself like not being competitive which I really struggle with it's something that like you know you kind of sort of have to get over like but it was just the real real swing of good and bad out there um Mm. Which what
0: I really struggled with. So, is there anything you'd change? Um, if you, you know, say there's a magic time machine and you can go back to the start of 2022, is there anything specific you would change?
1: Uh, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, probably a few things. I mean, I think I mean, in sights easy, but you know, I only had a few, like I picked up the language was one thing, like. I picked up enough at the end of the year that I could get a lot but with me I'm quite outgoing and like so I still you know I was still at a point where I wasn't you know making big emotional connections with like the management which like maybe I'd do in the UK and you could sort of banter around a bit more and like be more expressive of how you're you're feeling and and things like that so I think maybe I'd go harder on the Italian just try and do like a three month crash course basically because I don't think I realize how much communication um matters to me so for me that made it like a little bit isolating for me in some points even though there are obviously English speakers on the team the team you know uh what wanted everyone to speak Italian essentially so that was kind of a struggle and then uh yeah I think it was just like visa and stuff like that like now knowing what you have to do and how long it takes and how to prepare for things like that would have been a lot easier but we were like trying to like they do their bit on your side and then it's kind of down to you and you're trying to figure out what kind of forms you need and how many you need and which ones and then you need to get something from the police etc um and then you don't know how long like uh i missed the early season training camp which probably wasn't ideal but i had no choice because i needed to get my visa so that i could work mm-hmm. in the country um and my passport was at the visa office whilst the training camp was on so like you miss. You know, for me, that was probably like a a really core bit to introduce myself to the team and get some good early season prepping. But you know, it was something that was out of my control, basically.
0: Yeah, and I guess uh, kind of what you were saying about your your nature being quite outgoing, and then by virtue of being having to operate in a different language that you're not familiar with, it kind of cuts your legs from beneath you almost. And like, yeah. if you were introverted you'd be fine because you're like well I'm quiet anyway you know yeah exactly yeah that was a
1: thing I think it was going from like you know there are things I wanted to say but like I just didn't pick up the language quick enough or you know it's always going to be tough like no matter what I think within a year you're you're not gonna be able to pick up as much as you you kind of want to so yeah in that aspect like I did yeah it did feel like you know it was like kind of me but not fully me
0: (laughs) yeah like did it help because paul double was on the team yeah it definitely did yeah there was
1: paul double paul wright uh connor and dutch teammate dan hoax who also lived in bologna so me and him got on real well um so yeah it definitely did help i think being a soul i mean credit to to paul double obviously he's been out there six years so his language is is pretty good and he helped me quite a lot with like barriers to begin with and translations and things like that um but it's always nice to like bounce bounce things off them, and you could always sort of have that kind of comfort. Like at least you know we we'd be rooming together a lot of the time, me and Paul. Mm. So that was always that was
0: always really good. Did that then change anything when he moved halfway through the season to Human Powered Health?
1: Uh, well, nah. To be fair, it it didn't because he only he only all he did with uh, HPH was just two two stage races, and then he came straight back to us for the end okay. of the year. So he actually. He um he barely he barely missed anything to be honest um oh, fair so enough. really yeah yeah didn't make didn't make much difference at all because the way the italian calendar works um july and august were basically empty um essentially mm. just because it's too hot for any races in italy um and basically the italians just disperse into holiday mode in in august um, and then it sort of all comes back together again in September. So, yeah, it was absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely fine with Paul Gant HPH midway
0: through the year. Yeah, that makes sense. And like you mentioned, the, the Italian calendar, like there's quite historic races, even at like 1.1, 1.2 level. Like the, I'm going to get the name wrong, but like, yeah, uh, La Guelia. La uh,
1: uh, Guelia, yeah. Yeah,
0: that one. Um, you know, it, it's quite, reasonably well known certainly and, and the uh gp argentino i'm uh, getting these names really bad but <laughs> there's industria
1: and that's Artigiano. it
0: yeah um so how did you find it like because you know they are almost semi-classics I yeah they're
1: know. they are big races and i think luguelia actually wasn't that big like three years ago i think there was one world tour team maybe in 2019 and then we had eight a uh, point pro race to kick the year off so that was a real baptism of fire into um into Italian racing and then I knew I was coming into season undercooked I got ill over like towards the end of January um so I knew I wasn't going to be flying early doors and then we went to Luguelia didn't go that well then we went to um Coppia Bartoli uh and that was actually all right like uh I think I performed it wasn't mind-blowing but I was there or thereabouts in that race and it was it was a, a like stupidly hard stage race i'd say harder than tour britain um because everyone's there for form van der Poel was there for form before um just came after san remo he was there for form so he was doing some stupid like 100k out attacks, um like and it was it was a super strong field but i actually performed like pretty well there like 25th on gc was there or thereabouts just like missing an extra five percent to be like within that top 20 which would have been a a really solid result in that kind of stacked field and then at the end of that week we had Industria, which again i got around like i was knackered we did five days copy parsley went straight into a one point pro race so then i my confidence was actually pretty high um Hmm. after that little block because i was like "Ah, like these were some of the hardest races in italy so the rest of the year should be like, fairly manageable, like, assuming everything goes well, Uh, and then got ill after Industria, no shock, after the blocker racing, there was something going about. That was the time of year when um, all the World Tour teams were struggling to put together squads, like, I think Israel pulled out some of the classics. Mm. It was that kind of year, something was going around, and then after that, it was just really, really up and down, Um, which I can't quite put my finger on, but that just happened. So, to begin with, I I was really confident, and then, like, almost as the races technically got easier i got worse
0: <laughs> yeah
1: it's kind of weird uh, yeah it's kind of gutting really
0: gutting but
1: sometimes that's
0: just that. yeah it's almost that you followed the level of the racing like the hard races you were super up and then when it got easier you sort of followed it but downward yeah 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 <laughs> in
1: a in a bit like another one of my good performances was again not you know the result itself wasn't groundbreaking but was, uh giffingham uh 1.1 like a few days before tour to swiss and we'd just done a five-day stage race driven 10 hours in a day the day before uh but then i found myself in like a group of 28 being the only conti rider everyone else was well and i think there was like two pro conti guys in there as well and then again i was like wow yeah so like my legs are there and then like the next time they next race disappeared again so it was yeah it was Bizarre experience, but like I've never had that kind of level of inconsistency. But again, it, we were doing, I was doing more racing than I ever done before, so that could have been, you know, there might have been something in that as well, where it was just like managing it a little bit.
0: Yeah, and how do you find like going from races where you're you're mixing it up and you're you know on the same start line as uh people like Vanderpool at like Copy of And then racing at places like Tour of Hellas, which is not a very well-known race. It's, you know, it's just a Greek stage race. Um, Like, relatively speaking, they're they're almost worlds apart, let alone countries apart. Yeah, yeah, they are,
1: yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, it's weird. Like, you go into those races with a really open mind that you should be doing well, like Tour of Antalya kind of level. That's kind of level the race was. So it was like, oh, we could go there with a good result and I did actually go there with good legs but I just fell apart on the first day which I don't know why and for the rest of the race I was in really good shape but by that point like the GC ambitions had gone and it was just all in for for pool double which like we as a team did like a mega job at job at and that was actually one of the funner races because we really we took it to to every single team there to try and make the race on the climbs where we could um so, yeah, I guess in that sense, like, even though the result for myself wasn't good, Paul did a real good job. And actually, Copy of Bartley, you know, you're just following wheels all day, like, hanging in as long as you can. Whereas, Tour of Hellas, like, you go there, if you go there with good legs and you can actually do some damage, and you're the one dishing out the pain, which, like, psychologically does make, like, a bigger difference. And I think, especially at Conti level, you need, like, that balance of racing against the top boys. So you know where the level is and you know where you need to get. And but also racing at your level, so you can learn how to race properly, and also sort of enjoy the the um the dish and half pain type thing,
0: basically. Yeah, and you said you you enjoyed sort of ripping it up on the climbs, and it strikes me that maybe you're you're more of a climber. It, it's kind of weird because, and as you all know, like racing in Britain, it's all heavy roads, and you know most races have a level of a sprint to them. You know, it's never going to be a mass bunch gallop like the Champs Elysees, but there's still going to be some sort of group sprint in most of the races that you do. Certainly coming through. Like, do you see yourself more of being a sprinter or more of being a climber?
1: Uh, yeah, it depends. Like, I do have quite a bit of a of a punch, um, and I think I kind of adapted to that through UK training and UK racing. Um, like you know i'm not bad on long climbs but it's not like my full speciality like yeah i would say some of the punchier ones do suit me like the uk is not not bad for me but it's not it's not perfect then i say that i thought italy was going to be perfect for me and it <laughs> and i wasn't so it's like uh it, it is really hard to know like what um what um actually prefer out of the two but yeah I look at myself as kind of climber as a well climber with a bit of all-round ability like my sprints not like I wouldn't bank on my sprint Mm. um but if it is in a like if it's in an all right situation where everyone's a bit tired then and it's not from too low speed then I'm quite good like at the end of the race the longer the sprint goes on the better the better for me but I wouldn't be would be banking it all the time to be honest
0: yeah it's kind of it strikes me when you were just saying about the the sort of difference in style between the two racing like between the two countries like going back to what you said earlier as well where like british racing it's just you know knock seven bells out of each other from the gun you know and there's yeah. something quite reassuring about that like you find out very quickly if you've got the legs or not and you know it, You can almost rely upon having to race hard. Whereas in Italy, it's like, it's very calm or like tranquilo. And then suddenly explodes to life on, as you said, on a climb. And it's like, for me, I'd find that harder because you spend all day, like three hours of a four hour race, just winding up to that finish. And then that's when you find out whether you've got the legs that day. And you've spent three hours kind of dreaming of how you're going to win the race. Whereas in the British one, you haven't got a chance. Tra- like, if if you haven't got the legs, you know very early on and you don't get a chance to to dream. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah. It's kind of just a game of, like, a loaded spring type thing uh, yeah. a lot. And then more so in UCI races in general than, than British races, which I kind of, like, I have got used to as I've led the team a lot in... Different scenarios. Um, so it's like a case of like, right, Max, you just need to chill for like three and a half hours, basically. And like, it's just a psychological game. Like, you kick out a corner, you're like, oh, maybe I'm not all right. Or then you like, ah, oh, nah, like I'm like I'm good today. Like you always, but like you've always got to gas yourself up because if you're not gassing yourself up, then who is basically? Oh, so yeah. but again, it, it is like you've just got to be like super, super patient.
0: Yeah uh, and sorry for the sort of jumping about but when when you said about being more of a climber I remember last year there's you had an attempt at Everesting. Um, For those who aren't familiar what is Everesting?
1: Uh, Yeah I've done two two attempts now in 2020 and 2021. Everesting is just riding up and down the same climb until you get to the height of Everest which is now it's gone up a meter, 8,849. I know there's still an argument between, I think, the Chinese and the Nepalese, maybe, about how high it actually is, uh, essentially. So, yeah, up and down the same bit of road until you get to 8,849
0: meters in elevation game. Wow. Um, I assume, therefore, it's it's a timed thing, or is it just... Yeah, yeah it? it's
1: timed, yeah, completely timed. So, yeah, it's pretty straightforward, like a time trial, but... Different, different sort of time trial in a way yeah
0: yeah except you also I guess the descent therefore is part of yeah, the descent
1: is part of it yeah so that makes up the whole game essentially of it like you need a steep climb and you need a fast descent preferably with no corners um so that you know you can obviously you can gain a lot more time on the climb and you kind of lose less on the descent but if your descent's dead straight you're you know you're gaining a few seconds every single time
0: yeah uh, and i guess if you're a confident descender no matter how you know a climber might be able to go past you quite easily but if you're a yeah. nervous descender it's, it's yeah not to it's weird.
1: so i did it in Croken, which is like uh 900 meters at 17 percent. it's been used before like archie cross my mate who's got the british record now he used it uh phil stone lake used it i think fev tried to use it for a bit um but that descent is insanely fast. Like uh, I clocked 114k an hour, I think, when I did it. Max peak 32nd, I think at one point it was like 98k an hour. Uh, and at the start, you think, fuck me, this is, sorry, swearing. <laughs> um, at the start, you think, oh man, this is like nuts. And then literally by like the fourth or fifth rep, you're trying to gain every single little k an hour
0: possible. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty wild. Yeah, that sounded... <laughs> no i just realized like it dawned on me like oh, i used to be a good climber and actually no that, that like the descending would kill my my effort off anyway like no, yeah yeah climb. it does take like a
1: certain amount of bravery i i guess in a way because you're doing it so many times you get used to it
0: yeah still yeah um a wild event and obviously are we going to be looking forward to any more attempts on that
1: uh not for a while not for a while the world record is ridiculous i genuinely think you'd have to go to ronan mclaughlin's turf to try and break it to be honest croakham's a great climb but i think the descent is slightly too technical and there's it's too sheltered there's not like a need like a massive tailwind basically to help you um okay (laughs) And it, the way it sits in the valley, it, it's not ideal. I mean, it's an epic climb for it, and it's disgustingly steep, maybe too steep. I also think there's something in, you know, the perfect gradient, essentially, that's not too steep, that it's sort of destroying you, essentially. Um, that, Like you're working against too much gravity um, and something that's steep enough that you're going to get the... You're going to get a good bang for your buck in terms of elevation gain per meter
0: Mm. yeah makes it i guess well did you just go well this is where everyone else is used and therefore this is where i actually i don't know
1: phil stonelate was the first guy to do it he also lives in bristol he was the first guy to do it on there but i'd already committed to that climb before i even knew he was doing it on there Okay. Um, just because me and my mate had scoured the UK. And I still think to this day that is the best bit of road in the UK for it. Okay. No, not the U- uh, Yeah, the UK, because uh, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure where Rhona McLaughlin did it is Ireland, not Northern Ireland. So I guess. I, I would anyway, assume
0: so. And I don't. Uh, want- yeah, I'll, Even in
1: England, Scotland, Wales, um, mainland UK, I think that's the best bit of road you can do on.
0: Yeah, so Great Britain is the best bit of road. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> to avoid yeah, any no, diplomatic no incidents. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. I guess from what we we know from, you know, we we chatted a bit before this podcast, just getting this set up. Um. I understand that this year has been quite stressful in the off season. Um. How do you cope with that um, when it happens?
1: Uh. Yeah. I don't know. I think. I'm kind of used to the game now you know I've been at Conti level enough that I know like yearly contracts is always like you know it's it kind of getting to a point where you're like right I'd it'd actually be nice to know what I'm doing for like next two years um but like Conti level that's just it like you sign a year contract you get to the end of that and you're not really sure if that's going ahead you know even with previous teams when like Bike Channel pulled out last no Pedal Heaven when that um, they had sponsor issues and then we got bike channel came in at the, like the last minute and then it happened again like bike channel then like pulled out um at, like a few months late uh the year after and again like you're kind of left like up in the air again type thing so it is fairly stressful um and then obviously yeah like this year i was trying to do it in a in a second language to find out if i was on the team or not and it went on it went on for a really unnecessarily long time. I think that that conversation could have been cut short, way shorter, but, you know, I think, I think they were waiting for, to see what happened on the Italian scene as well. I think they're like quite a few teams, obviously went under quite a few teams have come up this year, but so, yeah, it is, it is stressful, especially when you're trying to figure out if you need to find accommodation to live in another country for another year. Um, Or whether you're, Going back home. Um, so, but yeah, I think handled it fairly well. I think pretty well.
0: Yeah, uh, I assume that the situation is sorted now. Um, yeah, yeah, it's all good now. Yeah, lovely. Like, what do you when you are in that situation, is it a case of? waiting to to hear from teams approaching you do you go to teams yourself and go like... uh,
1: i think you just gotta take the front foot really yourself like i don't see any harm in just approaching teams yourself um you know i think there's so many cyclists out there that like teams kind of you know they can pick and choose and unless you're you've had like an outstanding season which i hadn't then no teams might come to you but if you had a real average season that you sort of have to kind of send a load of emails um and ride a cvs off uh explain your situation like you would with any other job you know yeah it's pretty rare to get headhunted in in normal life anyway you sort of have to go hunt it down and i to be fair i don't think there's any harm in just taking the front foot and you know just emailing the ds's or managers direct essentially so yeah, a lot, a lot of those were were sent off this year.
0: Yeah, roughly how many did you have to send before you got that first sort of bite of a cherry coming back? Ah, uh, oh, it's, it's weird. Like
1: some teams, they're like, "Oh, can you send me CV?" and then they just they just never reply. Uh, <laughs> the time I was doing it in October, a lot of teams were full. Um, mm. Probably ten plus teams I went to in the end um before one gave me a lifeline
0: wow like genuinely what is like going through your mind in those moments do you go "Ah, oh, i might have to race as like a privateer like i think did alex richardson do that a bit this year yeah like...
1: for me like uh like uh, if i you know like retirement did strike through my mind well just stopping cycling struck through my mind at the end of this year Um, and I've sort of been given a lifeline which I'm really excited about and it could progress really well the year after that but if the year after that didn't look like it was going to progress how it would then yeah I probably would have stopped at the end of this year and you know gone into something different um, essentially so yeah I guess I'm kind of at peace that these are like my last few years so in that way it's kind of like it's quite easy to accept i don't think i'd ever race want to race as a privateer like i enjoy the traveling with the team the of camaraderie um you know i don't think i'd want to kind of do that on my own and travel up up and down the uk sort of on my own type thing like uh for me that's not you know that's not enjoyable enjoyable cycle enjoyable time for me to be honest so you know you got to be honest with yourself like you know that and i've spent so much time at, like, a high UK level, you know, that would be like, you know, we close that chapter, that's that's done, we forget about that, and we move on to something else.
0: Yeah, because, like, when you said, like, uh, I know I've not got many years left, I'm like, you're 26? Yeah, you? it's like, true, yeah. It's
1: just, I think it's kind of like a, uh, just like how many, like I, like, I went to Italy and that was, like, not a last roll of dice, but it was like, right, I'm going to try something, like, completely different now, like, I've done the UK done the uk scene to it to its death essentially for quite a few years so i was like let's try something else and and see what happens that didn't quite go right and then you're just like yeah i don't know it's just kind of acceptance and how long can you carry on doing something at a certain level and not seeing you know start 2020 saw like really good like always has seen some sort of career progression you know even if it's been a little bit sine wavy at points Mm. and then like the last couple years it feels like it's stagnated so you're a bit like well you know if i'm not improving as much and i'm not enjoying it as much then why would you know why why would you go on type thing but like i come in back to uk now it's you know renewed motivation essentially and you know i think it's just you just want to get back to what i was doing at the start 2020 and winning bike races essentially
0: yeah and you've you've mentioned that a team gave you a lifeline how much can you reveal at this stage uh
1: yeah i mean this is being released in the new year isn't it so yeah (laughs) Yeah. i'm going going back to the old new team uh okay at 85 pro cycling um tim gave me the lifeline he both me and him didn't fully want it he wanted me to do another year in Italy um, and obviously Tim's spoken out publicly now about going trying to go pro team in 24 so that's what I meant just earlier about um you know that was kind of like the you know if Tim said I oh, can be Conti," but we have no ambitions to sort of try and move up then I think I probably would have stopped at the end of this year but the fact that it's like you know what we might go pro team in 24 then it's like yeah okay there's some there's some real drive and motivation there just to 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 give it one more try um and tim knows me like back at hand and you know he was like yeah of course i'll i'll take you on immediately um because at that point i uh i didn't have anything else on the table
0: yeah well that sounds amazing i mean they're picking up quite a few riders and director sportifs as well like it looks like it's really growing and and I guess with some teams disappearing, it kind of. I I don't. There's a word I mean and I can't think of it right now, but it kind of like. It concentrates all the talent into a smaller pool. Yeah, Uh, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, it's it's less spread out for sure. And I think it'll be an interesting year, but I'm more excited because, like, there's only like three riders left in there who I know from 2021. Like, it's really change and obviously a lot of boys have stepped up uh recently and moved teams so although i'm going back you know it's complete rebrand it's well new ds in colin sturge who I'm speaking too late today as well um yeah it's it's like you know although i'm going back to my old team i've done my gap year etc it's still like a pretty new exciting project in a way and yeah i'm just looking forward to getting stuck in and try and win win races whatever races they are
0: yeah and how i guess how do you feel about like that day one because i i've had a kind of similar situation like it you know like i've got a toddler and we're starting to look at primary schools and you know one of the schools i've looked at is where i went to school and it's kind of weird because it's like it's the same buildings but completely different inside yeah yeah like how it, how are you approaching that? Are you going to go like go back in, knowing a few people and knowing some of the behind the scenes staff? Does that make you kind of excited, or does that make you nervous that you still want to be? Uh, it actually, gives me a bit work? nerves
1: because I know, especially after this year, you know, I've got something to sort of prove. Like I think last few years, I've been pretty comfortable in that. Like you know, I've always been born basically as top climber, um, essentially. Whereas now, I know like the team's makeup is a bit different there's a lot of new riders new ds so you've always got to sort of prove your worth essentially which is you know it's always nice to be sort of backed up against the wall a little bit or pinned in a corner and you know being made to show what you've got which yeah for me like i think everyone i don't know i need need that kind of external pressure in a way as well
0: yeah that's really interesting though because at the start you said about how like you're very I guess intrinsically motivated like it's knowledge of performance and um you know by I guess you know you've got success because you did a good job whatever that looks like yeah and now we're saying at the end like there's that now there's this external drive as well as the internal drive yeah well
1: the thing is they both kind of link up because I have the internal drive as well but I also need to prove something to the External drive so that I get selected for races and things like that. So you know, you've always gotta gotta show yourself to the right parties, all involved. You know, Mm -hmm. you can be intrinsically motivated as possible, but also, yeah, there's always gonna be like a little bit of external factor. So I guess, in a way, yeah, a little bit contradictory to what I first said, but I I don't think
0: it's contradictory. It's kind of, I think it's it makes it very powerful because if one of those
1: yeah trails, to be fair yeah, you got like... motivations from from both sides so yeah we'll see I mean that's what happened at the like I think 2019 sorry post uni it was my first year full-time and I think I let I let the gas go out of like my motivation things like that but I think because uh, I was like first year full-time I thought it just all like come to me which was like you know a pretty naive thing Uh, and then I got benched for tour britain that year and that that gave me like a like a massive five for that winter which then dramatically paid off at the start of 2020 Mm. um so for me yeah it's kind of having that um that little bit of external pressure as well as my own personal motivation definitely the mix of the two definitely helps
0: yeah yeah that's that's awesome so Obviously new team well new old team I guess the old team yeah. <laughs> yeah uh what else can we look forward to for for next season from you
1: uh yeah i don't know i'm changing well trying to with uh the coach changing my physiological makeup a little bit to try and suit the uk racing a bit more um you know i've done a very similar thing for Wow, yeah quite a while now basically in terms of training so um we're mixing up essentially which is really exciting as well because it's just giving everything a, a new routine um and a new sort of vibe uh which is which is nice so yeah I, d- I don't really uh you know i don't know until a few more weeks as to know if this is sort of paid off and how it's gonna pay off but you know sometimes you've really got to look at something from a different angle and new. otherwise if you keep banging your head against the wall and doing the same thing and you don't really see improvements then you know same thing's gonna happen so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really excited I'm just excited to see what yeah what happens here and I'm excited for a year in the UK non, non-COVID non um, because obviously things started to it was all still weird for like like two years it was not normal and then things started to open up and then this year has been like the first normal year but then I went to, to Italy so I'm excited just for like a, a normal year back in back in home racing well training well and enjoying life
0: yeah well th- I think that's a perfect place to end it really um on that note of optimism so thank you so much for your time no it's all right yeah thanks for having me yeah can't wait to see what what next year actually looks like in in practice yeah yeah it'll be
1: it'll be interesting it'll be interesting but it feels having spent sometimes you need a year away to to realize some some things and yeah it'll be it'll be really interesting but i'm excited